Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. All right, today we're wrapping up a five-week series on the joy of giving that we've been doing five weeks ago. We started this series talking about uh, the different gifts that all of us have, that every single person uh, was created and born with. Uh, You know, years ago, I got a revelation that even in my mother's womb, God knew me. And he loved me, and he had a purpose and a plan for my life. And that his DNA was established in me and my giftings, my personality, all the things that I would become already were in that moment. And that I would have the joy of spending my life growing in, walking the journey of finding all those things that the Lord created just for you. That's a wonderful thing. It's a, it's a wonderful idea to come to the realization that God loves you more than you can imagine or think. About seven of y'all believe that this morning. The rest of you are still growing into that. The rest of you, some of you still beat yourself up so much with your past sins that you think that God can't love you through that. Not only does he love you through that, he gave his son to die for you before you ever even committed your first sin much less your one millionth, 112th sin. Anybody have that many that you want to go ahead and confess? I mean, some of us, like Paul, we could both, man, I was chief sinner among you all. And I know some of y'all were, because I know some of y'all. So so I know, wow, God really does still do miracles because he saved this person or that person, or he saved me. Amen? But his goodness, his mercy, his love is great beyond what we can imagine or think. And so today, as uh, we're coming to this uh, fifth part of this series, I decided to rename it, uh, kind of add a second title to the joy of giving and talk about the joy of harvest. You see, you cannot have harvest without first having seed or giving. And uh I want to just commend you guys as I get into this message, because I'll talk a little bit about some of this in the middle of the message, but the faithfulness of the people of this house is really, it's a story to be told, it's a book that needs to be written. I, I am amazed at all that the Father has done. Now, first of all, I'm going to just go ahead and wake all of y'all up in this second service. The first service, they were dragging this morning. I, I got a revelation that they were, they were emotionally spent from the Gator game yesterday. They, they couldn't handle one more fumble, one more interception. How we won, they were just like amazed. But, but man, it was like emotional overload. It's like after you had all that emotional hype, then you're just like blasé. And uh, I, I have something to say this morning, so I want you to wake up your neighbor and don't let them sleep this morning, all right? Just a loving little tap, and it'll wake them up. And, uh, but, but I believe the Lord wants to say something to us today, and if we're not careful, sometimes we think, oh, yeah, I've already heard this message, when the reality is God, God can say something to you in the middle of something you think you've heard a hundred times. That's why reading the Word of God every day is so important. You open up the Bible and you go, yeah, I've read this like, you know, 73 times in my lifetime. And then all of a sudden you take a deep breath, you meditate, you say, Lord, speak to me today. And out of something that's familiar becomes something supernatural. That's good right there. 
I mean, God will speak to us continually right where we are. And if we're going from glory to glory, then we're always on this road, on this journey, on this path of pursuing the things of God. And so he's continually revealing. And if you think everything that's in this word has already been revealed to you, you are sadly mistaken. Because God is awesome and big and bigger beyond anything you can imagine or think. And how many of you can imagine or think something pretty big? Some of you think, well, I got big vision. Yeah. And God's going, yeah, right, really? Let, let me give you some. And so today, as we talk about this, even if it, you think it's familiar, I want to encourage you to ask Holy Spirit, speak to me fresh today in this. Because I believe the Father wants to encourage us, help us, strengthen us, challenge us, convict us, maybe save some in this room today or some that are watching online today because that's the heart of God. He's always out to give something more and something better. Amen? So I want to talk about the joy of harvest and uh, I want to share some things that I wrote as a kind of a, a subtitle to me, uh, just great news for today because as I got in the Word this last week and just thinking about all the things that are happening tonight is our fall seed offering, six o'clock right here. If you've never been to one of our seed offerings, we want to encourage you to come. You don't even have to give. Just come and participate, watch, be a part of it. It's a sight to behold. It's a powerful time. It's supernatural in our house what's happened over 27, 28 years, twice a year, uh, spring and fall, in obedience to the word of the Lord. We put a basket up here in the front, and we worship God and give a seed offering, and out of that, miraculous things have happened that I'll talk a little bit about this morning in this message. So first, I want to give you six things just as a footnote to some thoughts that I, as I looked at the word this week, thought that is so powerful and it's such a powerful reminder. Number one is this, Father God wants to bless you. Say me. Father God wants to bless you more than you even want to be blessed. Father God wants to bless you more than you even want to be blessed. Some of us think, no, I really have some big desires to be blessed, but we don't fully understand the fullness of God's blessing, nor can we fully identify it because we judge so oftentimes on our American mentality of Christianity which I will talk a little bit about that as well today. As I get ready to leave the country this week and covet your prayers as I'll be traveling for 12 days ministering uh, way on the other side of the world, uh, covet your prayers of safety in our travels, uh, safety while we're there, safety while we're delivering the message, preaching the gospel, and uh, safety as we return home. Uh, Just a grace for what we're walking through because the reality of what we have here in our nation, and this is our nation. I never want you to forget that. Sometimes I talk so much about what's going on in third world parts of the, of the world, but the reality is this is our life. This is our world. This is where I live. My first world problem is still a problem, right? How many of you know there's a difference between first world problems and third world problems? Yeah. Sometimes we let our first world problems just overwhelm us. And if we ever stop and just kind of back up and think about it for a moment, we go, wow, that that really is a first world problem. And I'm making something really big out of something that's not that big of a deal for God. But the reality of it is, it's still my problem. It's still my issue. I need a grace to walk through that. I just need a revelation to know that God's bigger than this situation. Bigger than this problem, bigger than this need. All right, secondly, Father God established his word to enable us 
to live by it. He gave his word and then graced us. I like that better than enable. He graced us to live by the word that he gave us. It's like this. If, if you're a thief, the word of God says, go and steal no more. Oh my gosh, I got, I got to really pray about this. I need the Lord to help me. No, no, just stop stealing, right? It's really not that big a deal. Well, I, I, I'm a really mean person. Well, guess what? There's a grace to stop being mean. Get saved. <laughs> Let the blood of Jesus cleanse you. And if you don't like something that's coming out of you, ask Holy Spirit to help. Again, that's why I wear this little God first, pray first uh, around my arm. Because yesterday I did something. My wife said something. I responded. And we're, 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 we're walking through things in our marriage, just like all of you guys are. And we're getting older, so there's older problems. <laughs> Is that a nice way to say it, honey? We have older problems. We used to have young people problems. Now we have older people problems in our marriage. And sometimes I'll say something and my wife will say, what? And sometimes, and sometimes after seven or eight watts, I get aggravated. And it's not my fault, excuse me, it's not my wife's fault that she doesn't hear as well as she wants her. I used to could just whisper and she would respond. Now I'm learning how to say whatever I need to say just to let her know that I want to talk to her. And if I could learn that better, quicker, we would have less issues. And it's not her, it's me, because it's not her fault. And, 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 and yesterday, I, I, I want to just confess right up here in the pulpit. Is it okay if I confess? She doesn't even know this, but, but, but one of those events took place, and I got so aggravated. <laughs> And then I got so convicted. And, and I felt like Holy Spirit said, would you like to go through a day struggling to hear like she is? And I said, Lord, I really don't. Because as she can tell you, I hear everything. I mean, it's like what she lost, I got. And, and, and sometimes, you know, when you're with the one you love and, and you're loving the one you're with, which is your spouse, and you've been loving that person for a long time, I'm just having a marriage workshop up here right by myself. <laughs> Let's go ahead and confess all my faults. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's an adjustment. But yesterday, something happened, and when she drove off, I got deeply convicted. I was like, Lord, I hate that about me. And, and it was sincere. It was like, I, I don't like sometimes how I respond to my wife. Now, I would never respond to y'all that way. This is the one I love the most, right? Isn't that how it goes? Oh, y'all are so spiritual. Uh, y'all just go ahead and start casting stones at me. Y'all are like, man, pastor needs salvation or something. But no, it's just life, right? And sometimes as we're dealing with life, we find out, you know, God's not winking at this anymore. And something that we kind of blow off, God goes, you know, that's really an attitude of your heart. I'd like you to get a hold of that. Well, Lord, I've tried. He said, yeah, you need to confess and repent. And then it changes things. And so um, as I just thought about the need of the word of God and the fact that whatever God gave us, his word, he gave us a grace 
to walk in that word. Just say amen, so you'll help me go to point three, because I don't have time to preach that. Number three, God, Father God wants you to live in his word, listen to this, so it can produce life and blessing in you. His word produces life and blessing in you. Not carrying his word around, not trying to confess someone else's word, not trying to believe someone else's word, but when you get in the word of God and the word gets in you, listen to me, all of a sudden things begin to change inside of you. Has anyone ever tried to live on somebody else's faith? Let me see your hands. A whole bunch of us. Somebody reads something or says something or declares something, you go, wow, that's good. I, I just want to live with that kind of faith. And you try to live and pray on your friend's faith or your pastor's faith. And you know, that doesn't get it. You got you to spend the time in the word, which is why it is so necessary that prayer, the word of God and worship is a part of your everyday life, just like putting on your, your underclothes. Okay. Everybody puts on their underclothes every day. Everybody eats every day. Everybody drinks every day. The reality as believers, we need the word of God every day in our life. Four of you agree. Amen. I'm going to just keep preaching today until everybody agrees in here about one thing. I'm going to find one thing we all agree. How many of you believe you need to be in the word of God every day? How many of you believe you need to worship every day? How many of you, need, how many of you believe you need to pray every day? Every day. How many of you know it's easier to watch Stupid Vision for four hours than it is to do all those things? Thank you. Amen. We're getting somewhere now. You can sit down and just get lost in Stupid Vision. I mean, television. And you go, wow, what happened? It, it was daylight while ago, and now it's 11 o'clock at night. But you sit down to get in the Word, to get it, sit down to worship, and all of a sudden your mind starts wondering. You have to bring every thought captive. Why? Because God established His Word to establish an ability to bless you that He will not do outside of His Word. Okay? We're talking about giving. We've been talking about last week tithes and offerings. We're going to touch on it just a little bit today. But all of that is a principle established so that God could bless you. You say, well, can't he just, just throw bless me dust on? Don't, don't, don't you wish we had some of those meetings where you just threw gold bless me dust and you just walked out of here blessed? Anybody ever been in service where gold dust just came up? And, you haven't? Y'all, man, y'all been protected, haven't you? I mean, just, just woo! And you go, oh, hallelujah, I feel so good. I'm going to just go home and just enjoy the gold bless me dust. Y'all think I'm kidding. See, that's the, that's the problem. Some of y'all don't realize there's some crazy stuff going on in the name of Jesus. But there's something better than bless me dust. It's called God's word. You get in God's word and you begin to do what God said. Prove me now in this. And all of a sudden the word gets in you. The word's always been there. But all of a sudden you take the, the time to discipline your life, to get into the word and let that word begin to get in you. And all of a sudden you go, wow. All of a sudden you wake up one day and that word comes alive in your spirit and you go, look at the power of this. And then you start preaching to everybody like they've never heard it. And they're going, duh, yeah. And they go, oh yeah, I needed that. And the next one, Father God, uh, how many have I given you? Three? I'm lost. Father Father God's word does not change. Oh, this is good. Father God's word does not change and always fulfills its promise. Yes. God's word never changes. You change, yeah. right? Your circumstance changes. Your spouse changes. God's word never changes. 
And as we get in God's word, what it will do is produce in us righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The next one, Father God wants you to live fulfilled and complete in him. Say fulfilled. It's a powerful word that unfortunately too many Christians in America do not experience. And complete, say complete. Complete Complete is a powerful thing, it's a wonderful thing. You can never get complete in yourself. And listen, all you single people that think you get complete when you get married, it's a lie from hell. If you're not complete in Christ, he or she ain't gonna never make you complete. Matter of fact, you're gonna start feeling like they're, they're taking withdrawals every day from you. It's like, I thought you were supposed to complete me. You keep taking withdrawals. My account's getting smaller and smaller. I married my wife, and she had stuff, and I had nothing. And she found out after she married me, she only had half what she once had because I had the other half. And I started taking more of that. And that's not, that doesn't bring happiness, peace, or joy in the home or in the Holy Ghost. So we, we need to find out and believe that God's desire is that we become complete in him and fulfilled in him. And then lastly, God wants you to experience and live in his unmerited favor. How many of you like the favor of God? I'm going to wake y'all up. I'm going to just keep moving y'all this morning. Right hand, right hand, you want the favor of God. How many left hand want the favor of God? We want the favor of God in our life. That's unmerited favor that God gives just because, look here, because he is a good God. Man, we in America need to get a hold of that. He's a good God. He's a loving father. He's a gracious father. He's a forgiving father. He's a merciful father. When sometimes we don't deserve mercy, he gives mercy anyhow. Amen? Sometimes your children need judgment. Sometimes they need mercy. Make sure, make sure you give them the balance of what they need. Okay? Because just giving your, your little kids always mercy, they're going to grow up and become teenagers. <laughs> and then you won't have enough judgment to be able to bring them in line. See, God knows when we need mercy and God knows when we need conviction. And the goodness of God is when he brings conviction, hear me, it's not condemnation. Say amen to that. Man, I love conviction because conviction always brings me back to the cross. Condemnation always causes me to feel guilt, pain, shame, and woe is me and I'm the worst miserable Christian believer, preacher in the whole world. No, you're not. You can't even claim that much fame. But God's mercy is everlasting, it's powerful, and it's mighty. All right, I want to get into the Word. Open your Bibles to Malachi chapter 3. I'm reading out of the ESV version, and I'm going to fly through this. Once or twice every year, I come back for 32 plus years, and we have taught this to our house. And because of the teaching uh, in this house, some of the miraculous that I talked about a while ago transpires around here on a normal basis because we have learned how to take this word and apply it to our life. And uh, if you have not got this word today, then God brought you here for such a time as this for a purpose. And if you'll listen to this, you'll find out that you have a right to walk out of this place today and literally spend the rest of your life proving God now in this. So Malachi chapter three, verse six says, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statues and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? 
So God asks a question, will a man rob God? And then he gives the answer, yes, and you are robbing me. And you say, how have we robbed you? And God answers, you robbed me in the tithe and the offerings or the contributions. You are therefore cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, even the whole nation of you. Wow, what a judgment against the people of Israel. He said, you are robbing me, but in robbing me, hear me, you rob yourself. Don't have time to preach it. Let me move on. Verse 11, I will rebuke, I'm sorry, verse 10, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. I want to encourage you, if you're new in Christ, you should read, obviously, from Genesis to Revelation. Last week I talked about, especially in the first service, encouraged you in the second to get the notes off of you version. But from the old covenant through the new covenant, the principles of giving are established. Paying the tithe, giving our offerings, established from Genesis to Revelation. The word of God does not change. God declares things. He, he's written out, he's given principles that if we apply them to our life, then we could come back just like he says here in Malachi chapter three, and we can literally walk out as believers the rest of our lives doing a couple of things. One, proving God, not to the world, not to some unbeliever, anti-God person, but believing and proving God for your own life. That's what we're called to do, live out our lives proving the awesomeness and faithfulness of God. Because hear me, listen to this. To me, it's such a joke for so many people that claim to love God. They want to go to heaven, don't want to go to hell. And they, and they believe that the God they've never seen, they've never audibly heard his voice, they take his word and they believe that there's a heaven and a hell and in death, they're gonna go one place or the other. Too many people based on all kinds of wrong reasons, but the reality is there is a heaven, there is a hell. And when we depart this world, we're going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful, enter in or depart from me into everlasting darkness. There's no choice three. So in those uh, uh, decisions and in that revelation of that scripture, we come to this place where we find out, do I really trust God? Last week, we had eight people respond to the altar call to casting the net, inviting people to come to Christ. Six of them were in between two services. Six were men, two were uh, uh, um, women. And out of those, um, as I just looked out, I felt like what was transpiring, what was taking place was there was coming a revelation in the heart of some of our men that have said, I confess with my mouth, I believe in my heart that God is, that God first loved me, that God gave his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me. And if I will confess it with my mouth and believe with my heart, I have a right to be saved. And the scripture declares that and it's yes and amen. The problem is too many of us as believers think that that's as far as we have to go and that's it. Where Paul comes along and he says, you got to walk out your salvation. You got to live this thing out because there comes a time when your obedience to Christ, where you're saying, yes, Lord, is you're saying, I'm willing to obey your voice even when my flesh doesn't like it. And then you spend literally your whole lifetime living a life of obedience, proving the faithfulness of God. See, it's one thing to say, I trust God, and one day when I get old and I die, in my time frame, and when I want it to happen, 
and I go to heaven, he's going to have this big mansion. I'm going to have eternal life. Woo, it's going to be great. But I can't trust God with 10 cents on the dollar here in 2019. Ouch. I can't trust God that because his word says, I require of you to pay your tithe. Because the tithe, and I said this last week, it's all about one thing. It's about your heart. It's about what's in your heart. It's about obedience to the word of God and coming to the place where you literally say to no one else but yourself, I can trust God with this. I robbed God. You know the testimony, my testimony. I robbed God until I was 22 years old. And through the Holy Spirit and my wife and the word, I got convicted and I repented. And when I repented, the revelation of it, the power of it, the, 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 the deep sense of conviction that hit me in my heart when my wife stuck a red painted fingernail into my chest and said, tell me you haven't been robbing God with our tithe. And it broke me for the first time in my entire life. All of a sudden, it wasn't about doing right or wrong. It was about living out, is God really first in my life? Can I really trust him? I can't afford to pay my electric bill this month, but can I trust God that he's built me a mansion in heaven? Amen, you see where I'm going? And so in that moment, it was no longer, it wasn't anybody, it wasn't the law, it wasn't Suzanne saying, I'm taking over the checkbook and I'm gonna make sure. No, that would have done nothing but destroy our marriage. She just said, this is between you and God. You got to get it right. And she walked out the door. Good news is she came back. Hallelujah. 40 years ago. But you know what? In that moment, I look back and I say, was that maybe my real salvation experience? Because for the first time in my life, I didn't just call Jesus my Savior. I said, I want you to be my Lord. And lordship is way different than just the savior. Yeah. Yeah. Savior is just all about him and what he did. Lordship's all about me surrendering to his word. And I said in that moment, 40 years ago, I said, God, hell will freeze over before I ever rob from you ever again in my life. And I look back at my life and I look at where God has brought Suzanne and I. I look at what God's done and I stand in amazement because those that were my friends back then and those in my family, siblings that lived the same life I did, the difference 40 years later is all of a sudden I was here and now I'm here. Where so many that never could make that decision are no longer here, but now they're here. Lives broken and destroyed because when we try to do it on our own, it never works out. And it's not better or worse, it's righteousness and unrighteousness. It's obedience and disobedience. I could still be here living in disobedience. If I were living in disobedience, you would not be here today. This house would not be here today. See, it's not about me. When God got a hold of this area of my life, God saw all of you people in Gainesville, Florida from all over the world. I didn't. All I heard was my wife saying, are you kidding me? Are you robbing God with our tithe? She had never robbed God in her life. I had always robbed God with my life. But boy, was I quick to be at the altar. Was I quick to say I love God? Was I quick to say this and that? But all of a sudden, when it came down to the rubber meeting the road, I realized the bottom line was just I, I couldn't trust him. You know why? Because I couldn't trust my natural father. 
I needed to realize that God was not my natural father. And God would never let me down. And his word would never let me down. Don't get quiet on me in here. Hear me. It's a powerful thing that all of us have to come to and walk out and say, you know what? This is what the Lord is requiring. And out of it, obedience produces righteousness. Obedience produces blessing. And the heart of God is he wants obedience over sacrifice. He simply wants us to take his word, trust it, and believe it. And, and, and I just want to say to you, wherever you are on your journey, maybe you're, you're at a place in your life where you have never yet come to the place where you could trust God with the tithe. And the tithe, very simply, and, and, and the offerings, very simple. I just read it to you out of Malachi. I would challenge you to go to the word of God. Don't go because I said, go because you you're honestly want the answer. What, God, what do you require of me? I can't earn my way to heaven. I can't buy my way to heaven. I can't do enough works to get to heaven. Heaven is a faith thing. Would everybody say amen to that? But how you walk that out, well, that's life and death. That's obedience and disobedience. That's righteousness and unrighteousness. And choose, God said, back in Deuteronomy, it starts. He said, choose this day. I set before you life and death, blessing and curse, heaven and hell. You choose. And then God gives the children of Israel the answer. He says, choose life. Isn't that awesome? It's like your daddy who's your coach and he's coaching you up in some sport and, and he's trying to do everything to help you. But eventually you got to be the one that stops making the mistakes. But he's on the sideline and he's going, you can do this. You can do this because he loves you. Well, our love as daddies is nothing compared to the father's love for us. And can you, can you get this in your heart? God does not need your dime or your hundred dollars or your $1,000, or your $100,000. We just need his blessing. One of the things in this house, you've heard it, for those of you that have been here, for those of you new in our house, let me just set you at peace. You will never, ever, ever be stirred or challenged or, or preached at to give out of your emotions because this house has been built on people giving with a cheerful heart. We give because we come to the revelation, it's my joy to give. Because the Lord has set this as a principle. Listen to this, I just read it to you out of Malachi. Go back and read it. He says, I'm gonna open up the windows above you. And out of your obedience, I'm gonna pour blessing into your life. Listen to this, in the ESV that I just read to you, it says, until you no longer have a need. Wow. Come on, somebody. Until you no longer have a need. Many of you in this place have no financial needs in your life. God has blessed you. You proved it over and over and over again. You continue to prove it. You continue to keep that window open. And you now have become a blessing. And your, your blessing be, has become life to many others. Matter of fact, people have been saved in other nations of the world out of the faithful offerings of the people of this house given in missions. 10% out of every, all of our seed offerings, 10% right off the top of all of our seed offerings go to world missions. Meaning if you give $100,000 in the offering tonight, 10,000 is going to world missions to preach the gospel, to spread the gospel, to share the gospel. You give $500,000, $50,000 right off the top is going to go to meet those needs. Why? Because that's what God's called us to do as a people. 
The rest of it, we're going to build buildings. Matter of fact, tonight we're going to show you uh, our newest video they just got done this week. It's powerful of our new sanctuary being built out on the property. It's exciting. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight before uh, or during our seed offering. But we come to this place where we just like, Lord, I want to walk in the fullness of what you have for me. So the tithe is, is just simply this. It's the first tenth of all the increase God brings in your life. An offering is anything above the tithe. It's that simple. And your offering, by whatever measure, I'm going to read you in, in just a second in script, by whatever measure you sow, the Lord says, just prepare your heart to reap a harvest. Why? So you can give again and again and again. Because our, our giving is so much a part of our lives. It's so much a part of who we've been called to. I want to just read you a couple of scriptures out about seed time and harvest. Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. And as the piano is playing and telling me I have five minutes... I'm going to read Genesis chapter eight, verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and he offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth, verse 22, remains... Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. There are things as long as the Lord tarries and does not send Christ to receive his bride until that time comes. Summer and winter, cold and heat, day and night, and seed time and harvest will absolutely never fail. It's a promise that cannot be undone. It's a principle that is established. Good seed planted in good soil will produce in time a good harvest. Many of us have proven that. Many of us are in the process of learning to prove that. Many of us want to see somebody that it's actually worked for. Many of us are on that other place where everybody in this room can identify because every one of us at some point in time in our lives have planted bad seed. And bad seed plus time in whatever soil it is will always produce a bad harvest. And the, and, and the sad part about bad seed versus good seed, weeds spring up overnight and they grow like crazy. You can just sit there with a video camera and watch them come out of the ground and start growing. Good seed in good soil, trusting in God in time, will produce a good harvest. This is what I encourage you to do. For the rest of your life, prove God. Because he either is or he isn't. And if he's not, seriously, what are we doing here? Really, right? I mean, if he's not everything he says he is, and if, he's, and, he, and if he didn't first love us, and if he didn't give his son Jesus to die for us, and if there's not a heaven that we're going to spend eternity with him, what are we doing besides just trying to be good people? Because if this is all there is, wow, this is bad. But it's not all there is. The promise of eternal life lies with him. And I want to encourage you. Tonight, 
as we come, for those of you that have never come, invite you to come. You don't have to give anything tonight. Just come and participate, watch, experience. But for us that are part of this house, twice a year, we come to this place on a Sunday night for two things. We worship God and we give a seed offering. And that offering is above and beyond our tithe and regular offerings and it is whatever the Lord puts in your heart. See, one of the gifts I talked about five weeks ago is, is our personality traits and our gifts. Many of you have learned some of your person, personality gifts and your spiritual gifts through going through growth track. You took a test and you found out that you're really a person that just loves to, you're hospitable. You just love to be, you just love to hug people, greet people, make cookies for people. Some people have a gift of faith. Some people have a prophetic gift. Some people have a, I I just need to change baby diapers. And and you just got that gift. And how many of us, thank God for those who just have that gift, want to change a baby's diaper. Some of you have a gift to give. And you just can't help yourself. You just want, you just love to give. And you give out of a nature, hear me, that it's not just because you have to give. It's because the very nature of God, the gift of God was given to you by God for his purpose and plan. And so the word says when we gather to give that we should give with a cheerful heart, not reluctantly, not out of some body, you know, stirring our emotions, but we we simply give because we desire. And we wanna be a part of something bigger than us. Actually, the other day, Suzanne and I were having a dinner with one of our families in the house and they told us the most intriguing, fascinating story of how they ended up coming to the rock years, years ago. And they said that they had been invited by somebody in our church family just over and over and over again. And they, they were from a Catholic background. And, uh, and, and one man in our house invited this other man who had a family to come to our church. And, and he said to him, the, the, the man that hadn't been here asked the man that wanted him to come, why do you want me to come to your church? And, and this is what, He told me, and at first I was embarrassed, but he said, the man told him, listen, our church is small and young and we need money. (laughs) I was appalled. (laughs) He said, he said, and and the man that was being invited was a businessman. He was making, he was making good money. And, And listen to this. He actually had in his heart a desire to be a part of something where he could help. And so when this man said, we need you to come to our house because we're small and young and we need money, it actually blessed him. It was appalling to me. I was like, oh my gosh, nobody else ever go invite anybody to church and tell them to come because we need your money. No. But the reality was this man said, it, it struck something inside of me. I had money that I wanted to give. I, had, I wanted my life. I wanted our family's life to be a part of something where we could make a difference. And I was like, wow, we will never use that as an invitational tool in our church. (laughs) Because the reality of it is everything God's told us to do, he's done through you. And that family came and became a part and have been tremendously uh, a, a huge financial blessing in our house, as most of you have been. The reality of it is If you're sitting here today and you believe that you've been right with God, you invited him to be your savior. I have one simple question today. Is he also your Lord? 
Because Savior is just all about what he can do for me. And Lordship is all about me surrendering my everything. See, for me to say I confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I believe in my heart that he died on the cross and that his blood cleansed me from all unrighteousness. Then I am saved. But the process is, if when the Lord begins to knock on our heart's door and says, really, what is your heart and what is your treasure? It's in that answer. I was eight when I responded to the altar of the Lord. I was 22 when my money got saved. Wow. When I surrendered my wallet, which hear me, was actually my heart. God loves you. And wherever you are on your journey, this message today is not about bringing condemnation or guilt into your life. It's about simply bringing a word that says God has so much more for you than you can even realize. But it begins with us trusting him with our whole heart. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes and invite the, the believers just to be praying in this place. But I, I just want to speak for a moment because this, this simple principle changed my life forever. And this truth can set you free. Do you love God? Did you receive Jesus as your Savior? And have you turned your life over to his lordship? And if this morning in this place, you find yourself in the middle of that road that says, I indeed have not trusted God with my whole heart because I have not trusted him with what he has blessed me with. You find yourself on that path that only you can make a difference of. Only you can say to the Lord, I surrender all. There's a young man in the Bible named Zacchaeus. He was a Jew. He was a tax collector. He was small in stature. But he had been hearing about this Jesus. And one day he heard that Jesus was down the road and he wanted to see and he wanted to hear firsthand. So he ran down the road climbed up a tree and he waited quietly. Jesus came walking down the road, looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, what are you doing up in that tree? He said, come down. I'm going to go to your house and have dinner. All the religious people around Christ began to criticize and judge. Why is he going to a sinner's house, a tax collector's house? Jesus went into Zacchaeus' home. He spoke, he shared. Zacchaeus had a revelation. And he said to Jesus, everything that I have ever taken wrongfully and illegally, I wanna make that thing right. I'm gonna give back a percentage. And Jesus said, salvation has come this day to the house of Zacchaeus. Is today the day when salvation needs to come to your home? where you surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, nobody's looking around, believers are praying. We've all been on this path where you are. We've all stood in this place.
where we have to say, today, that's me. I did. And if you haven't yet, you need to. Because God loves you so much. He wants to show off his mightiness in your life. But it begins when you surrender. This morning, every head bowed, every eyes closed. I'm just looking around today. If I can lead you in a prayer to make this thing right in your life, would you just simply hold up your hand? It's between you, me, and the Father today. And let's get this thing right with God in your life today. This is your moment. This is your opportunity. Yes, God bless you. Who else this morning? This is, this is the day when Holy Spirit is bringing this sweet word of conviction into your life. Today is a day when you're saying, man, this is tough, but I want this under the Lordship of Christ. Yes, God bless you. You can put it down once I've seen it. Thank you, dear. Bless you. Yes, God bless you, dear. Who else this morning? This is your moment. Man, what a day to be free of this thing. I'm telling you, yes, God bless you, sir. Today, free in Christ. The goodness that he wants to show for the rest of your life, he wants to show himself mighty. Yes, dear, God bless you. All right, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. I'm going to invite the whole congregation to pray with me. Maybe you didn't raise your hand. Maybe today, you know, like me, you're embarrassed. Maybe today you haven't told your husband or your wife, your family. Maybe today this, this word's coming in such a way that there's a stirring inside of you. I just encourage you to get in the word, let the word get in you, and then respond accordingly at whatever time you're ready to. But today you want to pray this prayer with us. Pray it out loud. Invite all of you that raised your hand, pray this with us as we pray with you this morning. Father God, thank you for Jesus as Savior. Today, though, I want him to be Lord. Jesus, I invite you to be Lord of my life. Today, I'm surrendering it all. I'm giving you my whole life and everything that that's a part of. My family, my finances, my career, everything that I possess. Father, I'm surrendering it to you. I want to be a good steward and I want to walk under your blessing. And I want no longer for treasures outside of the Lord Jesus Christ to have first place in my heart. Jesus, today I'm giving you my whole heart. Thank you for loving me, for forgiving me, for being willing to go to the cross for me. Today, I'm choosing you all in, 100%. Father, thank you for grace, for mercy, for your sweet Holy Spirit. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.